Hey, this is John at pureandsimplebible.com, and I am so thankful to have you with me today. Grateful for another set of episodes, a mini-series on living and dying with dignity. What an interesting topic. And we got just the man for the job, Brother Greg Gay, who is living in Edmond, Oklahoma. He was a preacher for many, many, many years uh, out in California, but now he's living in the great state of Oklahoma, the best state in the Union. And uh, he is... (laughs) Sorry, I got so distracted just thinking about how great Oklahoma is. Uh, anyway, Brother Greg lives up there, uh, worships with the church in Piedmont, and uh, he was down here for a gospel meeting at the Green Oaks Church of Christ in Arlington, and so I invited him to come over to the studio and join me, and uh, he wanted to share this message on living and dying with dignity. It's So let's jump right into the episode, shall we? Well, thank you, Brother, for coming into the studio today. I'm thankful that you're here. You're here for a gospel meeting at... The Green Oaks congregation, correct? That's right. So um, I'm glad that I can take advantage of preachers coming into the area and inviting them into studio to talk with me. Um, I'm intrigued by your title, To Live and Die with Dignity. And so I've looked through your notes, and the scripture that this is based on is Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, but we don't actually go there for a while. We're going to spend some time meditating on dignity itself. Um, Maybe you want to begin with uh, an introductory thought or an explanation on the definition of dignity? I mean, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Well, it, it, can, um, it can be defined in many different ways, but I here I'm looking for the concept of self-respect, uh, that which is according to uh, decorum or stateliness or seemliness, and dignity can be used in the greatest and most admirable sense, mm-hmm. or the same word can actually end up becoming an insult. Uh, when someone is dignified, that means they're worthy of our self-respect. They're worthy of our respect, and, and everyone would identify them as a dignified, respectable individual. Right. But acting dignified is where you use the same word but it's where somebody's really pompous. Mm. They're not worthy of our respect. Um, but when it comes to living, we want to live with dignity. We want to have others' self-respect or others' respect, and we want to have our own self-respect. And when it comes to dying, that's a strong desire as well. Right. To live and die with dignity. I, I hear that phrase, yeah. you know, to die with dignity. Yeah. King Saul. Yes. Uh, before you get there, I suppose there's a couple of notes as well, but maybe about seeking dignity. What 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 do you have about that seeking um, dignity? The um, one thing that came to mind when I was doing this sermon many years ago, I worked for a, a company that was owned by a very wealthy family. Okay, and the wealthy family, uh, the president of the company belonged to not one but two country clubs. Oh my. <laughs> so it was not uncommon for him to say, We'll go to the club for lunch and, and then you, and end you up had to saying, say which one? Which one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that was always fun. Well we had a, a company meeting of the supervisors of which I was one at one of the, the clubs and as we were led to our room the um, the the person took us by the dessert bar. 
which was an oh, amazing <laughs> creation of wonderful things. But there were several people in line at the dessert bar, and one that caught my eye was a person that was just there to get dessert. However, he was all about, I want you to see me. I want you to look at me. I oh. want you to notice me. So he was seeking to be somebody, right. but it was just really insulting. He was acting dignified, if you will. Sure. But that was just, it was so hilarious to see. He just wanted everybody to notice him. I don't have any experience in a country club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of how I can, how can I relate to this? Yeah. And, and uh, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. I've never, I think the only golfing places I've ever been to are the nine hole three putt courses. Uh -huh. so. Um, well, tell me about King Saul, who I guess kind of relates to this, right? Somebody well, it that's does, acting because dignified. King Saul, you might say it's it's like going from a Denny's restaurant where everybody's equal <laughs> to that country club. Okay. At first, the Denny's version of King Saul, remember, a very tall man, a very good-looking man, right. and he was so bashful that when he was going to be presented to the people by Samuel, he hid among the baggage. Right. He was that reluctant to put himself forward. Mm -hmm. So he had a he had a great start for Samuel fifteen seventeen. When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? He was literally little in his own sight, which mm -hmm. gives someone respectability because it's humility. Right. Right. Okay. Then, but the bad ending for King Saul is you know when he was told to utterly destroy the Amalekites. Instead of, instead of making that happen, um, he took some initiatives on his own and thought he wanted, uh, he wanted to do things his way. Okay. And the Lord rejected him from being king. Samuel went to where Saul was, and part of the process of Samuel's uh, disappointment is seeing how Saul acted during all of this, because 1 Samuel 15, 12, Samuel was told Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. Oh. So this was a pile of stones, you know, lest anybody forget how wonderful I am, let's build this monument in my honor. And that way everybody that sees this can think of how great I am, yeah. me, the great King Saul. Yeah, so Saul uh, is like you said, starting out at Denny's and then ending up at the country club in his own eyes, yep. right? He, yep. You have here the NIV that he, there he has set up a monument in his own honor. Yep. So that, as far as acting dignified, the, ver the difference between being dignified and then, I guess, acting it out is a, mm -hmm. a matter of humility? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he was a dignitary, which is what we call someone in high positions. Oh but no dignity. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't made the connection to that yes. word, a dignitary, Yeah, what that should mean yeah. versus what it does mean sometimes. Yeah. Well, um, there are scriptures that give us warning about seeking our own dignity, correct? Well, one of those is Proverbs 3, 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So that... That keeps us where we where we need to be. Another wonderful proverb is chapter twenty nine, verse twenty three: "A man's pride shall bring him low, 
Mm. But honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. And that's always a great reminder for all of us. And then Paul's uh, attitude was amazing with all that he had accomplished. Uh, he still said in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory or boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he could have, well, you know, when he was accused of not being an apostle, Right. He said, I speak as a fool, but he was willing to compare resumes. Mm. That was not how he normally conducted himself at all. Yeah, you can almost feel the, oh, the emotion in his heart that he doesn't want to write about it yeah. because it's not who he is. But Feels because, like he needs to. Yeah, he's, he needs to address these knuckleheads. Who and keep... you look at all of those things that he could have bragged about to anyone telling the truth. And he says, no, the only thing I really want to boast about is Jesus. Mm. I like that's, that conclusion. That's all, yeah. Now, you also include on this a list of some uh, appropriate dignity. This is some good examples for us to consider, right? Um, the proverb uh, 31, virtuous woman, uh, strength and honor are her clothing. Uh, she shall rejoice in time to come is the, the new King James. And there is... Uh, the NIV says she is clothed with strength and dignity. Uh -huh. And that's just a beautiful imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, what is she all about? Well, she's an appropriate, wonderful woman, uh, obviously filled with virtue and good. Mm -hmm. And no one would disagree when you say that is a woman who is clothed with strength and dignity. And she never... Uh, it only really talks about all of the, the services that she does, that she's working for her husband, her children, yeah. providing for her home. Uh, and as she's doing the little things, you know, the big things kind of come in being the dignity that she's robed in. Yeah. So I like that one. Mm -hmm. Tell me about Job. He was concerned for everything in life. He loved everything about his life. Um, and as an aside... If you, if you look through the book of Job, he lost possessions, which meant nothing to him. Right. He lost his children, which meant everything to him. Mm -hmm. He was left with his wife, who didn't care much for Job. Right. Uh, there's a couple of indicators. that, But yet, his faithfulness to her was a firm decision, hmm. absolute firm decision. He made a covenant with his eyes not to look upon a maid. Mm. And when a man in a marriage where the wife doesn't necessarily look upon him with favor is willing to do that, yeah. that is a very admirable person. Anyway, that's not part of this. Well, I like that thought on Job and his wife. I may yeah. have to steal it and put it. Yeah. Well, there's, I steal it. There's, two, there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> <You> know, there, <laughs> there's two spots. One is, um, do you still in, retain your integrity, curse God and die? That's initially. And then in the somewhere later in the book, she appears again to say, your breath is loathsome to me. Mm. But yet his, his declarations of faithfulness, um, and there's several of those throughout the book. It's yeah. like, wow, her attitude didn't start. I don't think her attitude was grief in response to the loss of her children. I... I get the picture, and maybe it's a false impression. I get the picture that that's just kind of the way she was. Uh, and 
here's one of the reasons for my surmising. His blessings were taken away, and his wife remained. (laughs) 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 She's still there. Oh, man. (laughs) So, I don't know. You can do with that as you think, yeah, as you think wise. I don't think I'm going to put that part in my sermon. <laughs> I don't think you better. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let me surmise with you. I know we're, we're staying on a, a sub-point of this uh, on dignity, but um, do you think it was just always under the surface and sometimes it's tragedy that brings out maybe one's true nature that she because you'd said that maybe she was always like this, is it that when life was going well, there wasn't really a need to yeah. act that way, but once life was rocked. And again, I'm not advertising this book, but that book that I'm reading right now talks about when a marriage is child-centered and not the relationship between a husband and a wife-centered, Yeah, what happens when the kids leave? Right. And I was kind of, you know. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing. And day in and day out during great times, relationship difficulties are usually few but when life challenges us is a lot of times our our character is not admirable Mm. and that's certainly the case with her well tell me about this quote by rick bragg who who's rick bragg and why does he say this i have no idea who he is (laughs) but i loved what he says okay each life deserves a certain amount of dignity no matter how poor or damaged the shell that carries it Hmm. We tend to assign dignity based on appearances, right? And that's not godly. You know, God looks at our hearts. So we we tend to make judgments based on the shell that we see. And in fact, every person, every person is deserving of God, deserving of Christ, deserving of the truth and hopefully can become a brother and sister in Christ. Right. And if we start by refusing to assign any dignity to a person at all, it's not likely that we would look for an opportunity to share the truth. You know, a scripture that that makes me think of is James chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'll just read the first verse. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And then it yeah. you know, compares that rich man and mm-hmm. poor man coming in, and, and you show one extreme hospitality and the other yep. extreme lack of it mm-hmm. based on that dignity that you just talked about. That's a powerful scripture. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when one seeks dignity, as you have in your slides, uh, you can base it on incorrect things or values. And you have this example of Prince Philip. And uh, maybe if somebody doesn't know who Prince Philip is, that's the husband to the Queen of Queen Elizabeth. But he's got a bunch of other titles, doesn't he? He really does. And um, <laughs> a few years ago, we took uh, a grandson to London. And while we were there for the uh, festivities of the changing of the guard and all of these things at Buckingham Palace, um, my joke is that the queen, uh, you know, noticed us, <laughs> but actually the queen was driven out of the gates. Oh, really? In her car and seated in the back seat and was waving 
not just at us, but that's right. the way I tell it, you know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, everyone acknowledges and recognizes the queen. And in looking at her husband, I had to look up to make sure he was still alive. Couldn't have told you his name at all. Yeah. And who is this person who happens to be the husband of the queen? Mm. And why does he have all of these titles? <laughs> There's a page full of titles yeah. that just goes on and on and on. However, missing from the list is the title of king. Mm. And because of his ancestry, he cannot have the title of king. And it's almost like in order to try to make up for him not being king, They've said, how many titles can we give this man? So he ends up with a title like, uh, let's see, extra knight of the most ancient and most noble order of the thistle. <laughs> whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> but if he's searching for dignity through titles, yeah. it's what it appears. Now, that may not be the case, but that's, that's certainly what it appears. Well, he's not the only one to do that, right? No, you have this thing called alphabet soup. <laughs> yeah, you know, seeking dignity in the wrong places. <laughs> and anyone with with a degree of any kind has the right to put letters after their name. And sometimes you find individuals that seem to be finding their worth, their dignity sure. through how many letters they can put after their name. So this uh, particular example, this person wrote because there are authorities on how to put them in order and what to use. And this person wrote the question, I am a holistic health practitioner, HHP, certified aromatherapist, CERT Aroma, registered aromatherapist, RA, master herbalist, MH, licensed massage therapist, LMT, and esthetician, LE. Should my name on my email signature block be HHP, CERT Aroma, MH, LMT, LERA? And all I see on that is aroma. That's all I would understand if I saw this. But they're seeking their dignity mm -hmm. through their titles. Mm. But that's not the only place. Right. You know, sometimes people say, well, look at my house. Look at my neighborhood. Yeah. Look at my neighborhood. Look at my house. Look at my car. Yeah. Um, look at the value, look at my bank account. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes go out of their way to say, well, mine is a seven-figure bank balance or mine's, you know, a six-figure salary, you know, right. throwing out things like that. Sometimes people seek dignity through how they look and people get trapped on a treadmill of, of surgeries right. trying to seek the perfect look, um, jewelry, clothing, yeah. The list is unending. The, the older we get, it seems like the easier it is to be subtle about looking for those things. When I look at my kids, for example, and as they dabble in, you know, appearances, uh -huh. and they don't, they don't do a very good job at it, it's, it's really obvious to see them try to puff themselves up. Yeah. But the only difference between them and me is I've had a lot more experience at it than they have. And so I'm, that's us. I'm able to keep it in, in check a little bit. Yeah, that's us. You asked this question, so I'll ask it for our audience's sake. What is our source of self-respect? What's our source of dignity? Well, I'm still going through the idea 
of how we look forward in all the wrong places. Okay, okay. So we can look for our physical appearance. That could be our hair, our figure, our height, our weight, um, our physical ability in sports of any kind. It could be our intelligence. Mm -hmm. And some people do believe they are the smartest person in the room. Mm. Now, for most of us, the only way that's ever going to happen is if we're by ourselves <laughs> in the room. But some people make a big deal out of, well, there's no one in the room more brilliant than me. And right. let me prove that uh, in, in one way or the other. So it may be possessions. It may even be that we get our source of dignity through what we get to do in the Lord's church. Right. And that could be I get my self-worth through preaching or through singing or through my ability to convert others, uh, through ordaining elders or becoming an elder or a yeah. deacon or a teacher or an evangelist. Um, it may be that we are looking at self, and that's the key to all of these. Okay. Wherever we look to self, what are we really getting? Is that truly the dignity that we seek? Sometimes individuals say, well, I'm somebody because of my boyfriend, my girlfriend, mm. my spouse. Uh, or because of who we know in business or sports or politics or right. entertainment. Um, so all of those can be an inappropriate source of dignity. And along the way, we have these little reminders that our dignity is not forever and it can be lost in a moment of time. And the example I have here is if you ever tripped over nothing, if you ever been walking along and you just trip <laughs> over nothing, we never just keep going. We always look back because <laughs> if we lost our dignity, there has to be, there has to be a reason for that. Right. There just has right. to be. And an example, another story I tell at this point in this lesson is uh, Cassie and I went to a play and before we went, uh, before we got in the car, she said, now be sure and remind me before we get out of the car that I have these curlers in the front of my hair. <laughs> well, that's, I'm the wrong one to help with stuff like that. So we get to the play, we oh, go man. in, we're early, we sit at a table, we have a soda, and somebody joins us and we're visiting with them, and all of a sudden I really look at her and I see those curlers. And I said, did you know you still have your curlers in your hair? She said, no, <laughs> she was horrified. And the lady that had joined us at our table said, well, I just thought you had somewhere more important to go after this was over. You know? But as soon as she took her curlers out, her dignity was restored. Uh huh. You see, it can be lost easily and sometimes can be restored easily. Okay. Um, we're, we're kind of moving into the next part of the, the study, and so I'd like to ask the question that transitions to it, and that is, uh, I guess, possessing dignity. How do we possess or live it out as we grow older? Maybe a more honorable form of dignity, not not the, the vain type that, so, you know, if I'm going bald, I'm not going to get a toupee and, and then feel as that sense of dignity restored. So I guess my question is, how do we possess, live, and grow old with dignity. So along the way, as life hands us challenges, we do the best we can. Okay. And that's easier said than done um, for many. And individuals that struggle with special problems find ways to possess their dignity that the rest of us would never dream of. So at the office where I worked, Years ago, there was a, a fellow 
there that I would see um, being pushed back and forth in a wheelchair. And one day, uh, he and I ended up in the bathroom at the same time. And uh, Anatoly from Russia said of that place, ah, oh, now we go into the room where all men are equal. <laughs> Only in his case, that wasn't the, that wasn't the case. Oh, now, okay. His speech was very garbled. He had very little control over his movements. And as I go into the bathroom this day, he was ready to come out, or almost ready to come out. He is, he's finished washing his hands, and he has done everything he needed to do there except his trousers are not pulled up. Mm. And mm. so he, very with great difficulty, asks me if I will pull up his trousers. So he grabs a hold of the sink, uh, from his seated position in the wheelchair, and he very, oh, it was so hard for him. He pulls himself up, and I did what at that time I'd never done before in my life, is pull up another man's trousers. Right. So I did that, and now understand, he's decent, he's covered. Um, how much of your dignity do you lose when you ask somebody else to help pull up your, pull up your clothing? And if you're asked that question, what do you do? Do you run away? Obviously, I didn't, or I couldn't include it <laughs> in the sermon. So I got his trousers up, but that's, you know, that's not all. They were suit pants, so they needed to be fastened. And he had a belt, so I fastened his pants, fastened his belt, but we're not finished because there's still a zipper. Oh. And I asked him, do you, do you need help with your zipper? And he said, no. And then I noticed that someone had tied a string with a loop in it on his zipper so that he could zip up his own pants. And it's like, how hard do we work to hang on to just a shred of dignity? Yeah. And that was such an amazing thing to me that he was doing the best he could with the circumstance that he was handed. Mm. Well. Life is filled with that. So we end up with, then, these activities of daily living. Okay. They're basic tasks that have to be accomplished every day for a person to thrive. And then there are instrumental activities of daily living that indicate our ability to live independently and thrive. Right. Along the way, one thing or another can affect those. And people also have to be assessed for fall risk, for depression, for mental status. And all of this is part of how do we live? How do we age with dignity? Well, you have uh, this kind of listed out, you know, several bullet points here about these. You've got the acronym ADLS, uh -huh. Activities of Daily Living. Maybe uh -huh. we could just start there. What are, what are some of the activities, basic tasks that an individual needs to be able to do to thrive? Personal hygiene, bathing, okay. grooming. Uh, continence management, properly using the bathroom, dressing themselves, selecting and wearing proper clothes, uh, feeding themselves, uh, and ambulating ability to change from one position to another and walking independently. All of those are basic tasks that have to be accomplished. And as we see these, you think of someone who is, quote, normal, whatever normal might be, <laughs> sure. of normal ability, it's like, well, they don't have any problems doing that. 
They don't have any problems doing any of those. But at any one time, anything can change to where someone cannot do that. I had a shoulder surgery. All of a sudden, it's like, hmm, how, how am I going to do these things? Because my arm's in a sling. Right. You know, an injury can take that ability away from us. And even taken away temporarily gives us pause. But as, as we age, sometimes these things are very difficult. Someone with Parkinson's in its advanced stages has a great deal of trouble getting a spoon to their mouth yeah. with food. So. I'm a young man, so I can't relate maybe to a permanent change in life, but I will just say this specifically about feeding oneself. When I was in second grade, I... Uh, burnt both my hands second degree burns in a bonfire yeah and the bandages that they put on them looked like boxing gloves oh, you know my. it was just yes. it was just a round ball uh-huh. you know on the end yeah. of each hand i couldn't do anything i couldn't yeah. feed myself bathe change you yeah. know and and granted when you're in second grade you're seven eight years old and so you're, you're kind of coming out of being a kid and, and mm-hmm. so you're still at a point where when mom helps you it's okay i get that but i really i think the thing that was the most frustrating for me was not being able to feed myself, yes. you know, and I totally yes. relied on somebody to spoon feed me yeah. every single bite. Yeah. Couldn't touch it. So. And imagine having the mental ability to know what you needed to do as you did, but not having the physical ability to make it happen. Mm. And so there are, there are a lot of things in life that we take for granted, a lot of blessings in life that we sure. take for granted in these areas. Well, that's then part of it. The rest is, how can a person live independently and thrive? Um, And that's the instrumental activities of daily living, companionship and mental support, Mm -hmm. uh, transportation and shopping, planning and preparing meals, managing their household, even like taking out their trash, doing their laundry, folding clothes, managing medications, making sure you take the right pills on the right day, Mm -hmm. Um, managing finances, and then all of those other things that go with how can a person live independently and how do we know whenever this is not working if someone can no longer do their laundry who does if they can't go to the grocery store and get their food who does if they can't prepare a meal anymore who does Mm. so all of those are part of our progression of life and sometimes we do very well, and sometimes people need help. Is acting dignity the reason why somebody might desperately hold on to these activities, even when it's past time for them to accept help from another person? That's very, very true. We just do not want to give up our independence. We do not want to face that we can no longer do things that we ourselves always took for granted and did with no trouble. So you'll see people that won't eat right. Well, it's because they just can't make it happen. Right. Why doesn't this person ever set their trash can out at the curb? Well, because they can't walk with their walker and push the trash can at the same time. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many things. And it's, is it a pride thing? Perhaps, but not in a, in a very understandable way. Sure. <laughs> we want to hang on to our dignity. Well, it's not in the notes, but maybe I could ask, how does somebody who is fully capable, how do you delicately or uh, gently, I guess, be forceful about that? How, how do you 
help somebody transition who's obviously passed that phase? Is there a way for, do you just go get the trash and take it yourself? Do you, you know, how do you help them accept that? That sounds like a great place for us to pause and to come back next week and finish up this conversation. Some of you may wonder if I relish in splitting up these conversations in such a way to make a really juicy cliffhanger. And the answer is yes. So if you're out there and you're really interested in the answer to that question, I hope you're waiting on pins and needles to come back next week and finish up this dynamic conversation. Brother Greg Gay, about living and dying with dignity. You'll notice that this week we focused mainly on defining what it is and living with dignity, whereas next week we'll wrap up living with dignity and then also consider what it means for a Christian to die with dignity, but also a great gospel connection as well. He really does a great job of weaving it together. Until next week, go to the website. Check it out, www.pureandsimplebible.com. A lot of great resources. I say it every week, but it's still the same. Great resources just for you to download and use absolutely free. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.